Welcome to season two of the Let's Talk podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to be a person of faith in a culture against faith. So let's talk about why we do church the way that we have chosen to do church. Um, I think it it is rooted in the fact that we saw problems with the modern church just living in it our entire lives um, and just kind of serving and being the the, the hands and the feet <laughs> so to speak yeah for sure realized that in um, in the organization that this this idea of a church didn't work there were there were problems and there were gaps. Um, there were many power struggles. Um, and that was a problem. We talk about we talk about those problems a lot. Um, one because they are important. Um <clears throat> But we wanted to create a solution to those problems. That's the deal. We wanted to create the solution. Yeah, and which which resulted in realizing that we needed to change the culture around the the idea of church. Well, if you're gonna yeah, if you're gonna change something about church, right? Well, maybe the best maybe the best way I can communicate this is organizations are designed to get the results that they get. Mm-hmm. Right? If an organization was designed to produce different results, it would get different results. But organizations produce the results that they're designed to produce. Sure. Um and the same is true for churches. And I spent my entire life in this system that I think represents the majority of Christendom. <clears throat> and I did not like the output. Yeah, I did not like the final product. Um, and so when you go to change it, if you want to get different results, you got to change everything that got you the results you didn't like. For sure. Culture was certainly one of those. Model was another one. Um, Like, the way governance happened was another one. Like, even down to the way that we communicate. Yeah, everything. Um, We we have spent many hours, more hours creating content on these podcasts. Um, than we do any other kind of content, like yeah. way more than your the the stories. Oh right? yeah, we have like significantly more. Um, and I think that's because like we decided that community was more important, not not like more important than Bible, but like at least as equally as important. Well, what we what we had to decide and what I as a communicator and 
<clears throat> preacher, homiletician, a uh, person who loves to do speaking um, and create content in this way, I had to tell myself that I'm not the most important thing here. Mm. Uh, which, you know, to be fair, I think there are a lot of pastors that need to hear that. You are not the most important thing happening at your church. I, I actually want to come back to that in a minute. Um, and so in order to, you know, create what I thought <coughs> would work best, I had to cut down on what I do. Sure. Um, yeah, I had to cut down on what I do. And it doesn't mean that I love the Bible any less. Sure. Right? I mean, I used to be the guy. I, I have a sermon, specifically one in mind. I preached for an hour and 20 minutes because they had nobody to play any instruments. Um, and I banged on the pulpit. Banged on And I remember sitting there going... I'll bang on that. <laughs> uh, I was like 15, 16 years old, man. I mean, I, yeah, I have always loved the Bible. I mean, I am a Bible nerd. I have it tattooed on my arm. Um, yeah, I love the Bible. <clears throat> but there's more than one way to love the Bible. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to love the Bible just in like a traditional sermon context. Absolutely. Actually, the Bible is probably, in my opinion, more enjoyable, shared, and community. Yeah, the way we use it in like... You know. Right, this, this idea that like the Bible is the basis of everything that we do here. Yeah. And like a large part of all of our conversations. Yeah. Um. Because, yeah, we love the Bible. We want to do the Bible thing. But, like, share it. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 your, yeah. your spiritual leaders are, they're not the end-all, be-all right. on conversations. Right. Um, well, that, They are not yeah. the, the, the keeper of wisdom. <coughs> That's the deal. If I believe that the true interpreter of that book... That book, it's over there. Um, if I believe the true interpreter of the Bible is the Holy Spirit, mm. then that means that I, as the pastor, am not the sole guardian over what's communicated through that book. Yeah. God is. Absolutely. Um, and if that's the case, then God is speaking a plurality of perspectives and truths about that text through a myriad of voices if you give them the voice to say it. Yeah. And so that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to say that, hey, I'm not the only person that can have a say in what this means and how it applies and what perspective we give and how the community evolves because I wanted people to have a voice. And I wanted to do it in a way that it was safe. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, you have a voice in your Sunday school classroom of 40 people, you know, whatever, uh, that's run by a man that lectures and, you know, really doesn't make space for you. Uh, no, I wanted a space where people literally had the voice. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I feel very strongly... Um, 
about the idea of congregants having an equal voice. Um, that was something that, like, I really learned over the past couple of years that, like, I didn't always feel like I had an equal voice. Um, even though, like, we came from families that were highly involved, um, but it didn't feel that way, right? Like, um, I had, I had one guy who gave me a voice over the ministry. Uh, I think it was because he didn't know what the hell he was doing. (laughs) Um, but that burns a lot of people. Yeah. Right. If I am a part of this community, I should have say, and how we do things. I don't have say over how other people believe. Um, but like I should have a voice in what we do. And churches what? have tried to do this with like business meetings and uh, through your elders and deacon bodies. Like well, churches, yeah, churches have done it in that kind of way. But yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I don't think that that's not a voice. No. Because majority of the time, and I was specifically told this in a seminary classroom, um, you know, pastors most of the time moderate business meetings, mm. specifically in the Baptist tradition, which we're a part of. Um, I had a seminary professor tell me in a classroom that, uh, as the pastor of a church, you should never walk into a business meeting not knowing how the vote's going to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, people have a voice, but not really. Mm. I mean, these things are all strategic. They work behind the scenes. It's like politics. Yeah. Um, what I mean by people have a voice is, I mean people have a voice in communicating the truths about God yeah. that they see. That, that if I am the main voice, then... What is being most communicated is my understanding of God. Correct. Which I have one, and and I think it's a very valuable one, and I'm happy to share that with people that ask. But that doesn't mean that everything I think about God is most right. Yeah. Uh, you have your experience. Right. Um, and I'm also acutely aware of the ways in which it's impacted both negatively and positively by my trauma, which automatically forces me to admit that this is not an objective view because no one has an objective view of God. Correct. There's just, it is impossible. Everybody looks at God through their own lens. This is why majority of Americans look at God as the pronoun he. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, everyone comes to this with presuppositions about God. It's just inevitable. Yeah. (coughs) Which, when those questions are asked, like, why do our views of God differ? Um, One way that your voice is silenced is like, no, listen to the dude with the degree. Or listen to the, or just listen to the loudest voice because he stood up there. Right? Like, yeah. Or the one that this community of people has told you is the best voice to listen to. Yeah, which but by no means 
our voices are not the best voices. No. They're not the only voices. Right. Yeah. I would say that our voices might be some of the most trained voices. I would say that our voices might be some of the most available voices uh, to put on recording every week. Yeah. But, no, our voices are most certainly not the most important. Um, And that was a big thing is I have a very high pneumatology. I have a very high view of the Holy Spirit and the divinity that's within each person. Um, And I wanted to create something that gave back and empowered that. Yeah. Um, which we felt like was accomplished through house gatherings where we were like, just you literally cannot sit there and preach for 40 minutes. I mean, it's just impossible. Um, yeah. <coughs> and so the other reason we did it is, like we said, we wanted to solve some problems. I had been on staff at three different churches, uh, all in different areas of, um, uh, all in different areas of uh, Texas and Louisiana. And the truth ranks the same. That somewhere around like 75% of the money went straight to facilities mm-hmm. that we use like once a week. Um, and I was so frustrated with that. Like that is so much money. I yeah. also happened to read this news article. Uh, I can't remember. It was like in one of the finance articles that I read, but. It was like uh, just like one of the quirky things, and it was like based on the annual based on the annual budgets and receipts of most churches or the the church reporting. If churches ever lost their property tax exemption, eighty uh, percent of them would have to close their doors within like three months because they just can't afford to pay their taxes on mm. their on their massive facilities that they don't pay taxes on, and they only use for themselves one day a week. Um, and so I was really frustrated with that because I was like, that's a lot of money annually. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> 75% of the money that comes in goes straight to your staffing and facilities. No, come on. Yeah. <clears throat> and like this, this creates a problem for fundraising too, because I tell people all the time, nobody wants to give to your overhead. Mm-hmm. Like everybody understands that overheads involved, but that's not what people. That's not what it gets people excited to give, mm. because that's not really our mission. Overhead is not our mission, and so I wanted to create a way that we could free that money up and use this, be better stewards, and and be transparent about the money. Yeah, like that. That's the other thing. Is like. We're not we're not up here trying to to hide stuff. Well, um, we also yeah. Well, and it's also we don't have to ask for money. Yeah. Um but like we're also transparent that right off the top, 30%, right? Like that's that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Goes to funding other ministries. Yeah. Um, 30% of what comes in goes out to other places. So that's the goal. And speaking all of that, like we're comfortable talking about money, which yeah. is a thing that I heard pastors say for my entire life. Nobody wants to talk about money. Well, and anytime like a passage about money comes up in, in scripture, they like tiptoe around it. 
Yeah. Like it's an uncomfortable conversation until you get to the business meeting and people are screaming and yelling at each other. Well, and that's part of it is everybody's fighting over what the money goes for because it's all selfish. Like we're fighting over what color the carpet is. It's like, really? The fact that we're spending a hundred grand redoing this for no reason is the real problem. Um, and so like, it's just, yeah. And so like naturally by having this goal to free up money, to give away, to do more, to give more to justice initiatives and help the homeless, you know, have these care networks where we pay for therapy and <coughs> all of these kinds of things that, um, are part of our long-term goals. You can't do those in a traditional church no. when you've got all that overhead. Yeah. Or or you have to be a massive church. Yeah. Where you can start offering resources like that because you've exceeded the threshold. Right. <coughs> so with all of that being said, like we chose to do church this way because we did see those problems and these were our solutions by no means are they the only solution just like we are not the only voices yeah <coughs> um what i would say is that if you are looking for a church like you got here because you googled you know why do Christians go to church? And somehow you got to this episode. Um, you, If you are looking for a church, cool. These are the things that we saw that were problems. Uh, and this is how we chose to, to solve them. Um, but, and these are the things that we thought were important to look in a church. Uh, and so that's why we wanted to create it. What I would say is if you're looking for a church and you're asking yourself this question, you know, what kind of church do I want to go to? Why do Christians go to church? What kind of church do I want to go to? If you find yourself asking that question, the way you answer that question is you say, by finding a community of faith that I want to be a part of. Mm. And what I mean by that is, Remember that organizations produce, they get the result, they are getting the results they're designed to get. And so if justice is really important to you, like I would go and ask some questions or like I would look on the website. And if you're going into a church, and maybe this is my cynicism or skepticism uh, speaking, but I've done a lot of church consulting and what I say all the time is follow the money. Like the first thing you got to do is if you want to know what's important to a church or anybody, follow the money. Um, that will tell you what is important to that community of people. If you are in line with that and the way that they believe and the, the things that they are about, the rhythms that they do, go for it. The final thing that I would say is there's when you're talking about doing church the way you're doing, it is a community. It's like an inerrant draw. Um, it is 
it's divine. Mm. Sometimes there's just an urging, a calling, a spiritual presence leading and guiding that's intangible and can't be explained. Um, if that's there, definitely follow that because that's God. Thanks for listening to the Let's Talk podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.